When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Starting off hot on a Monday on the BWI Daily Edition. Welcome to the show. It is back to our regular schedule because Greg Pickles here. Greg, how you doing today? T. Frank, it's President Today. A lot of people are off today. You and I are not among that crowd. So we're here for uh, Penn State fans to get their Penn State fix, and it's good to be on with you. What's a, what's a day off? I, I don't understand the concept. Uh, yes. <laughs> yesterday, by the way, yesterday was the first day uh, in a long time that I did not pick up a computer or a cell phone at any point during the day, and I binge-watched two entire series on Netflix. So I completely unplugged from work for the first time. But Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, did, uh, is, there, is there anything that I missed from the weekend that I need to know about? I don't think so. It was pretty quiet. I mean, obviously, the uh, only two big things I can think of at this point are Penn State wrestling winning, uh, Thon raising a lot of money, and uh, in Big Ten news, the uh, Jawan Howard, uh, Michigan, uh, was it a fist throw? Was it an open hand slap? You know, I think it was more of an open guy. hand from what I saw after the game. Yeah. Yeah. So that that stood out. We had a Daytona 500, but no, I think you had a good chance to, to reboot and uh, get ready for what lies ahead. So let's talk about, let's start with Thon. Uh, you know, I think a pretty great thing to start with yes. uh, today, $13.75 million raised for uh, children with pediatric cancer for the four diamond fund. Uh, what were your takeaways from this year as far as, um, you know, just the, the general festivities? There's not yeah. really a question to ask of like, Hey, this is great. Right, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. You know, it was cool that Nick Scott was back in town. Pat Fryermuth was back in as well. James Franklin talked at the athlete hour, which included uh, Penn state uh, football players, the younger guys dancing and doing some fun stuff and other uh, as sport athletes were doing so as well, uh, which of course is a yearly thing. So I think it was good. I think Penn state uh, obviously, you know, has changed the way it raises money for Thon, but the money keeps coming in to, to fight pediatric cancer and it's great so uh you know obviously the last few years has been a little bit different with everything that's been going on but it was a little bit more uh like many people remember it uh, this time around and it raised a lot of money so good for them uh congratulations to all the, the people involved with running that and uh certainly it seems like it was a good weekend and good time had by all yeah absolutely and uh we'll be talking about penn state football coming up at the end of the show couple news and notes it's a very quiet time right now for the nittany lines as they're entering the final week or two of uh winter conditioning and then of course spring break coming up in a little bit we'll be getting to all of that if you haven't checked it out yet we're talking about that on the bwi live show which is noon on youtube now this video is released after that but just want to make you aware of that you can go watch the replay if you didn't catch it because you were at work and you know you have responsibilities and a job and all those things 
things. So make sure you check out the replay of the BWI live show. One other note, coming up this week on BWI Daily Edition, we will have Penn State commit for the class of 2023, cornerback Lamont Payne coming on the show. So we, I'll be asking him about uh, his 22 great. season, the Lions, all that stuff. We'll have a great conversation with Lamont coming up this week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Great reason to hit the notification button on the channel and subscribe if you haven't yet. But let's start, Greg, with wrestling. You mentioned they got a, a dominant victory this weekend, not a surprise, over Ryder. So take us through the highlights of uh, the dual meet. Yeah, so, you know, Penn State again brings the Bronx into Rec Hall for one final regular season dual meet, T. Frank. And, I mean, going into it, this was expected to be a blowout. It was not expected to be competitive, and it wasn't. Penn State won every match. Uh, they racked up a ton of bonus points, winning 45 nothing when all was said and done. Um, and, you know, I think that, that ultimately – um, you know, this was the kind of thing Penn State needed, you know, a chance, an opportunity to really uh, get some things uh, dialed in, so to speak, that they needed to get dialed in and get ready for the Big Ten tournament, which is a couple of weeks away now. So I think it was a good opportunity to do just that. Obviously, the Ryder kids tried their best and competed. And it was another sellout crowd at Rec Hall to see Penn State wrestling, uh, you know, win it's, uh, you know, finish another season unbeaten. But uh, there was not much to write home about in terms of outcomes. They were expected except for one weight where things were changed and a, a couple wins were had anyway. Well, let's get to that because that's the big news coming out of this particular duel, which we talked about heading into it of where's Brady Berge going to be in the lineup? Is he losing weight to get down to 157? So what happened and what was the general uh, feel on how that went? Yeah, I mean, so this has been talked about for quite some time now, right? It's possibility that Brady Berge, who when he came back to Penn State at the semester break, it was kind of assumed that he would go at 157. And then he wrestled the last few months, at, or last couple months rather, at 165 pounds, which uh, Penn State seemed to suggest he was comfortable there. He was happy there. But, you know, one just has to wonder whether Penn State's lineup is better with him at 157 and Creighton Etzel at 165, or is it with Terrell Bearclaw or Tony Negron at 157 and then Brady Berge at 165. So that was a decision Penn State had to make. It got him matches in now at 157, so it can still decide what it wants to do for the Big Ten tournament. But, yeah, I mean, I believe he also had an extra match. Yeah, him and Cole, uh, Cole McMore, McComas rather wrestled twice um, to get Berge some uh, another another match at 157 pounds. So we'll see how that all shakes out. T Frank, I assume at this point it means that Brady Berge is going to be wrestling at 157 in yeah. the Big Ten tournament. But Penn I'm guessing I'm, I'm a little surprised that you don't think that that's a lock. So take us through kind of the factors that might go into that. Of was this just to see if it could work and kind of where he needs? Yeah, to Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think this was this, and, and again, you know, he's obviously been away from the mat for a little bit, working on his weight. Right, was the right. the vague, <laughs> the vague thing that Kale Sanderson used. So, uh, you know, obviously they've been they've been getting ready for this cut here for a few weeks and doing it the right way and all that. But, you know, could he go back up to sixty five? I kind of doubt it. I mean, I'm not saying there's a great chance of uh, Brady Berge going back to one sixty five. I mean. I would say if forced to guess, if make a good choice right now, you would assume that he's going to be in the postseason at 157. But, you know, we'll see how he comes out of this match, how his energy is, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, then Penn State will decide it has a little bit of time left before it has to make the final call. So what then are uh, the options outside of Bergie Berge? What, what sort of season was Creighton Etzel having before Bergie came back to the Nittany Lions? And how does that affect the lineup as far as a positive 
How does that shape that part of the the lineup for the Nittany Lions? Yeah, I, I mean, to be frank, to me, the question is really this. Uh, Kale Sanderson and his staff have to decide what is the most uh, effective way for them to score a lot of points at the national tournament. Is it uh, Terrell Bearclaw or Tony Negron at 157? And and uh, and, <laughs> and so, uh, why can't I think of his name here? That sometimes happens on a Monday, folks. Sorry <laughs> about that. And then you have Brady Berge at 165. Um, or is it better to have uh, Berge at 165 and then, you know, and, and Creighton Etzel, I'm sorry, at 165 and uh, Berge at 157? We'll get through this, I promise, Steve Frank. But that's what they have to decide. Creighton Etzel was having a nice season, I thought, before Berge came back and replaced him. But, you know, again, he can score points. It's just, will he get over the hump? I would be, if you, you know, forced to, again, forced to pick, I would say that you're more likely to get more points out of Berge at 57 and Etzel at 65 at the national tournament. But uh, it's not a guarantee by any means. I mean, Etzel has a lot of work to do to get to a point where he can be a Big Ten national scorer uh, for Penn State in the postseason. So we'll see. But my guess at this point would be that. Penn State sees it as uh, with Berge at 57 and Ensel at 65, that would give it its best chance to score the kind of points it's going to need to uh, in Big Ten and Nationals to win on the team front. We're, we're having this particular conversation after an undefeated season. So right. what sort of undefeated season was this? Because Penn State's had a lot of these. So want to get your opinion on kind of now that with all the haze in the barn, what year did they have and how do you how do we look at this team going forward? Yeah, exactly. So um, one thing I do want to note, T. Frank, just to, to um, clarify, Kale Sanderson did say after the match that it would, you know, Berge thought was more comfortable at 157. Um, and so that would make you think he's going to stay there. But Kale said before that he felt more comfortable at 165. So, uh, you know, again, I think we just have to take with a grain of salt here some of these comments. But to go back to the point real quick, just to button that up about why there might be some uncertainty. I do think it's possible he could wrestle either weight, but uh, with Kale saying that, you know, he's probably more comfortable at 157 now as opposed to being uh, more comfortable at 165 like he was earlier this year, you know, I would assume we'll have, uh, you know, we'll see him at 157 moving forward. But some, some yeah, of those breadcrumbs of, are lining up for that one to be right. true, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, in terms of the season, I would say the biggest thing that stands out to me from an overall sense, T. Frank, is just that, you know, for all of the obstacles they had to overcome, uh, Drew Hildebrandt not being with them until later in the year. And, you know, they went to the the wrestling duels, the collegiate wrestling duels, and took out some really, really good teams uh, with not what was without a lineup that would end up being the one that it has in February. So, you know, I think that was impressive. There were a lot of guys out in the lineup, T Frank, for illness, for injury, whatever. And Penn State never blinked, whether it was Donovan Ball filling in in the upper weights or Mason Manville or, you know, one of these other guys, uh, you know, in the lower weights or Brady Berge coming back or Creighton Etzel coming in when uh, when he needed to or, or Michael Beard wrestling uh, against Nebraska at 197. You know, no matter what the circumstance was, no matter who was in and out of the lineup, they really did a nice job of overcoming those uh, challenges and those uh, setbacks, so to speak, and not allowing them to become super setbacks. So my assumption is um, that this team is getting ready to roll into the postseason in a perfect spot, exactly where Kale Sanderson wants them to be. And just the season overall has really led them to that, that point. I want to highlight one player, or excuse me, one wrestler who we don't talk a lot about on the show just because he's one of those guarantees in the lineup and that would be at 133 with Roman Bravo Young and I think 
he broke out of wrestling circles in his freshman season because of some of the highlight, like mind-blowing viral things he was doing, some of the takedowns he had in his freshman season. For people who haven't watched, like so for me, uh, who hasn't been following closely along throughout his career, what sort of wrestler was he then and is he now as a senior? Yeah, I mean, I think the most incredible thing about him, T. Frank, is just I'm trying to look up a couple of stats here quick. If I can't find them, we'll throw them up over on the message board. But I mean, this is a guy who has had success pretty much everywhere he's ever been. You know, he's from Arizona. He was undefeated in high school. Um, you know, he's wonderful in the classroom, on the mat, off the mat, just a really good person. Uh, and, you know, he's now defending a national championship that he won last year at 133 pounds. So, I mean, I think just like so many of the guys that we see at Penn State uh, and they improve over the years, I mean, especially when they have success early as Roman Bravo Young did, you know, it's the little things. Right. And it's it's also the being the ability to be able to continue doing um, a lot of things at a really high level for a really long time. I mean, I think that's the great mark of a great wrestler. And Penn State has had so many of them who just seem to get a little bit better, a little bit wiser each year, even though they've already done some pretty darn good things uh, on the map before. And I think Roman Bravo Young fits that to a T. So, you know, he said earlier this year, T. Frank, that, or I guess it was earlier this season, it was late last year, but, um, you know, he thought he assumed this would be his last ride, his last season. He does have the COVID year available. Right. Uh, will he come back? Will he not? We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I, I would be betting against it at this point but you know crazier things have happened so time will tell but yeah him nick lee i mean there's some guys that have been around here and, and have done some pretty impressive things and now they're all looking to go out on top again first at the big 10 tournament and then at nationals the following week or two weeks after rather yeah so uh, just give us a rundown of what uh, what's coming up for penn state wrestling in the postseason schedule and you know what you're going to be doing covering that stuff yeah, so we'll have plenty of coverage over at uh, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. The Big Ten Wrestling Tournament is in Nebraska this year. Uh, that's set for March 5th and 6th at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And then two weeks after that will be the uh, two weeks after that will be the national tournament, which is in Detroit this year. Um, so we'll cover all three days of that as well at BWI. So stay tuned for the latest as Penn State tries to uh, get into the uh, the postseason at the high point that it wants to be. Again, I think the Ryder match was a big part of that. And, uh, you know, now they have a couple weeks to get healthy and ready for everything and, and you know, back in the room and fine-tune any final things and then get to, uh, get to Nebraska. So we'll uh, be following every step of the way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And make sure you sign up for just a dollar to get coverage of wrestling, basketball, football. We cover it all. Hockey with uh, Dave Eckert being our hockey reporter. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, $1 for 12 months of access to premium content at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. It is, by the way, premium stuff. And one of the things that went up recently was my evaluation of Anthony Donko, 2023 commit for the, uh, you can talk to me on the message board. If you want to know more about that, his film room up here at, uh, on YouTube, Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe there as well. So you get full access to all that stuff and you can see 
what Penn State's building for the future on the offensive line. Speaking of football, uh, one month until spring practice starts. So we're really counting down here. <laughs> we're really counting yeah. down until there's something to go uh, going on with football. What's gonna? What are you expecting in spring as far as something you're curious to know about that we've had this hiatus, something that you want to know about Penn State football this spring when it resumes? Well, so I think there's a few things that jumped immediately to mind. The first is, what does this defense look like with Manny Diaz in charge? I mean, I know that one of the things that appealed to James Franklin when he hired Manny Diaz is just the fact that he can run a scheme similar to what Penn State has been running uh, for a long time here when Brent Pry left. So I don't think we're going to see wholesale changes. I don't think we're going to see a completely different uh, plan of attack or anything like that. But I think we'd be lying, T. Frank, if we didn't expect to see some, uh, at least middle, you know, some changes that are noticeable, right? I mean, I just think when a new guy comes in, uh, especially at the coordinator level, he's going to put his touch on things uh, and things aren't going to be exactly like they they were before. So that's probably number one to me. And then number two is just seeing how these new guys factor in. You know, what does Mitchell Tinsley look like in pads? Um, you know, can Caden Saunders uh, crack into a return role or something along those lines? You know, does Drew Aller look the part uh, of a first-year FBS-level quarterback? We assume he does, and obviously Bo Bull is in town too. So I think those are the things that jump out to me at this point as we sit a month away from spring practice, T. Frank, when you're trying to break down kind of what could be on the horizon. I'm very excited to stop talking about the uh, tweet of the day from the Penn State assistant staff of who won the, the competition in the workout because yeah. – Whoo! That's that. As I said to you in a text message, we are in blood from a stone season. Yes, getting we are. interesting insights. One thing that is is actually an interesting thing that I want to skip ahead to is the college football playoff on on a bigger scale. Looking at college football and some of the big moving pieces that are coming up um, when it comes to uh, contracts, money, television. Again, something we talked about on the BWI live show at noon. But with the college football playoff not expanding, let's just stick from a football standpoint. What was your opinion on that move, good or bad to stay pat? I would say expect it at this point. I mean, I think it's probably the fairest way to put it. You know, I, I think there was at one point some pretty good hope that this would be able to expand sooner than expected. But let's be honest. I mean, I don't know if anyone really felt that way over the last handful of weeks because there just wasn't really any momentum in that direction. I mean, it just sounded like for the longest time now that the powers that be, the school presidents and administrators and conference commissioners and what have you just weren't aligned on this whatsoever. So I think, you know, the news kind of seemed to catch some people by surprise, which caught me by surprise, because, again, I think that, you know, we could all kind of see this coming over the last handful of months as the talks kind of came and went and nothing really came of it. So it's disappointing to me. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I was looking forward to an expanded playoff and know that we'll get one soon, but it won't be super soon. So time will tell. But uh, yeah, kind of bummed about that. Doesn't help Penn State, obviously, for it right. to be delayed. Um, but at the same time, not totally unexpected based on how things have been going. Yeah, and it sounds like for the most part, when it comes to even some of the realignments in the Big Ten, they floated out the idea of getting rid of the divisions. That talk has kind of dried up. So it just seems like standing pat being where you are and uh, letting things roll is yep. what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Um, from from that perspective, is that good? Like, I'm I'm, I'm wondering, is it good? for college football to continue with the model that they have. Because I think the flaws are obvious when it comes to level of interest, opt-outs, 
fan engagement even at the end of the season and the, the, the frustration that they have when it comes to these, um, I'd say, shifting sands when it comes to priorities in college football. Do you think that this is a good or bad move to keep everything status quo? Not just outside the playoff, but like everything seems to be staying pretty much status quo. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it just seems like, yeah, there's always a disconnect a lot of times, right, between what pro, uh, what fans want, what leagues want, what teams want, what owners want when you talk about the pros. So, I yeah. mean, I get it. It's easier to keep things the same than it is to seismically change your sport, your league, whatever. Um, so I do understand all of that. But, you know, again, I do think that when you have NIL and you have guys opted out of bowl games and you have guys uh, – you know, maybe not playing, you know, at the way that, you know, in a way that they used to before. Um, I think certainly it has created some fan loss. There's no doubt about it. And yep. so changing things up, getting more teams into the playoff, um, you know, expanding the uh, the New Year's Six, whatever you want to do, um, I think would be good for college football because right now it's standing pat. And I know that TV's king and the money's coming and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at some point, I think you do risk losing uh, part of your fan base if you, um, you know, don't change anything and continue to have kind of the same issues and problems and everything else. I mean, there are plenty of things changing in college football, but again, it's more opt-outs. It's yeah. name, image, and likeness deals. Um, yeah. It's it's things like that that not everyone who follows this sport is a big fan of, even yeah. though I think most are happy that players can make money off of their name, image, and likeness. I certainly think many see it as a pretty big competitive disadvantage if you don't have a system in place like some other schools do. So yeah. uh, certainly I, I would say it's probably not great, T. Frank, for the kind of change to only have the change that, that college football has had at this point. But uh, it's just, it just doesn't seem like they're too interested in – uh, changing things up anytime soon. Yeah, and I, I just have to imagine the money wasn't valuable to expand the playoffs, right? So you're going to be playing more games. The ACC, the commissioner of the ACC, when when this was being discussed earlier, said, we don't want to play more games. I talked to the kids from Clemson. They're playing too many games as it is. They, they don't want to play more. And I understand that. I'm still sympathetic to that idea. But the longer we go down this path with name, image, and likeness, and player agency to change teams to determine their future a little bit more. I understand that that is not the case for all players on the roster. But the more we treat that part, like, you know, the more equitable we get there, the less I right. feel like we have to worry about how many games these players are playing because the as the money, hopefully, and this is, this is my hope, is we continue to push the envelope with how many games these players are playing, that they are actually more compensated and that opens up more opportunities for everybody on the roster to get a piece of the pie. So yeah. that used to be a that used to be an argument for me of like I don't think you should play more games if you're a college athlete. They these are not professionals. But as we professionalize this, then we have the conversation to play more games or change the process so that you have the option to do that. And and I just yeah. I, I think that the 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 conversation can start changing about that the longer we get into NIL. And it's this this particular uh, development is lagging behind i'd say when you have yeah. the this switch over yeah. with nil and you're not you're not changing the model you're not changing what you're doing to project forward you're waiting for things to happen and that just 
pretty typical of the NCAA in college football in right. the end. So I want to end on some Penn State stuff. Not yep. talking about money and the things that make people a little bit frustrated when it comes to college football. Let's talk about some players, some positions that you're looking for that Penn State needs to have develop this offseason, winter workouts and spring football for uh, to set up well for the fall in 2022. So who comes to mind or what position comes to mind for you as far as players on the roster developing? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about the offensive line enough over the last handful of weeks and months and years, so I won't pick on that side of things. But, you know, I think defensive line is one where you're going to have to keep an eye out. There's a lot of guys on the roster who are going to be stepping into bigger roles. Are they ready for those roles? That's going to be uh, the question we need to see answered over the next uh, handful of weeks here once spring practice actually begins. So, you know, that comes to mind, T. Frank. And then beyond that, you know, I think that, uh, you know, what Penn State fans should be watching for is just some of these spots that weren't as good as we thought they were going to be last year. Running back is one. You know, Kevon Lee is going to lead that room, but who else, including Nick Singleton, uh, could get a piece of the, the snap counts back there? You know, uh, tight end, is that group, which is all back, going to be better in 2022? You know, they had some times later in the year where they impacted the game, but not nearly enough for or what we expected it to be um, earlier in the year. So I'm going to be watching those three, I think, probably the closest. And then, look, I, we can't talk about spring practice without talking about quarterback and how is Mike Yersich going to uh, try and improve another year of Sean Clifford? Yeah. What will the battle look like behind him? And so on and so forth. Yeah, and people are overlooking Christian Veyu. I know that right. we're talking about Drew Aller. I know that everyone got to see him in a Penn State uniform for the first time over Thon weekend, uh, and that's a big deal, and I, I get it. And I, I, I understand, and I'm even one of those people that thought he's more advanced than I was expecting coming into his, his freshman season. But Christian Veyu has been here for uh, going on 18 months by the time football comes around next fall. Right. So there is going to be that pecking order. I'm curious to see what he has in the tank for Penn State football at that quarterback position. And then uh, a couple other, just if, if I could chime in, the, the defensive end position I think is really interesting. Penn State is looking for help in the portal. So does that inform you on some of the young talent that they have on the roster they're not as sold on? Or is it simply a numbers game where they want more veterans to step up because Devon Townley Jr.? I think you can even throw Smith Vilbert into that as a young guy from a snap cam point, uh, standpoint who ha doesn't have a lot of snaps under his belt. Or, you know, are, are, are they not seeing the development they want from those players this offseason? I'd be fascinated to see how defensive end plays out. So, uh, yeah. Any last thoughts on all that stuff before we get going? I do think it's a numbers game at defensive line and some of these other spots. I just think that, as we saw with Arnold Ebikidi and Derek Tangelo and some of these other guys, T. Frank, um, you need to have numbers, and experience numbers are great. And if you yep. get a guy who's maybe a starter, like Ebikidi, an all-Big Ten guy, awesome. And if you just get someone who can play some snaps and kind of come in and and spell a guy or change pace or something like that, that's awesome too. So I just think there's a lot of value in – what Penn State's trying to do with the transfer portal. But as we've talked about on other Mondays and Tuesdays and other days of the week here on the BWI Daily, uh, it's not uh, it's not always a simple fix. And it's not always a simple, um, uh, we offered this kid, we want him, let's go get him. You know, yep. it usually takes a lot more than that. Yeah, and I think you can even see with Hunter Norris that a guy that they did get in the portal, it took right. a lot of effort to get just that one guy because they're going after guys that can come in and actually contribute and make a difference. That'll do